This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello, it's Sammy here, and this episode of Fulhamish is supported by NordVPN. Now, NordVPN is a way of watching sporting events, TV shows, and films which aren't available where you are by switching your virtual location of your phone, tablet, or laptop to a country which is particularly perfect for those 3 p.m. kickoffs which aren't televised in the UK. And right now, you can get an exclusive discount by going to nordvpn.com slash Fulhamish. Not only will you benefit from their already huge discount, but you'll also get an extra four months for free. You can use one account on up to six devices. Also, it's completely no risk thanks to Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. So to get that special rate plus four free months, go to nordvpn.com slash Fulhamish or hit the link in the description of this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name is Jack Kelly, and on this episode, we're bringing you the latest episode of the Jack and Joe Show, which is a weekly YouTube show. Myself and Joe Sanson record, and it goes live on YouTube every Wednesday. On today's episode, we'll be looking back on Fulham's 3-1 win over Sheffield United, and we just sort of review the early stages of the Premier League season, looking at Fulham's progression and uh, the, the table as a whole and, and where we sort of sit and how we sort of feel about the season so far. If you enjoy today's show and would like to hear more from us, then just subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're almost at 6,000 subscribers now and the support has been magnificent. So thank you very much. But for now, please enjoy the audio version of the Jack and Joe show. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Jack and Joe show and we're filming after a win which is happening for the third time in the league this season and it's something we can hopefully get used to. Jack, how are you doing? Really good. Good to win, wasn't it? Yes. We were saying last week the result is the most important thing that matters here but we were also both quite concerned about the trends of Fulham this season in terms of other than the odd performance against maybe Crystal Palace when we were both reasonably impressed. Mm. Um, and the Arsenal and Tottenham games in August, we haven't really seen Fulham at their best all season, and it's been a far cry away from what we saw last year. So this is a bit more of a step up for us, um, and I thought the performance throughout the entire game was very strong. Um, we should obviously caveat that it was a very poor Sheffield United team when taking into account Premier League standards. Um, I thought they were about a thousand times worse than Luton when we played them, and I thought the Luton were very poor. Um, I really was so, so unimpressed with them. I think 3-1 really flatters them. I thought that they were so open at the back. I thought they were absolutely horrendous going forward and that the goal really flatters them. Um, That being said, you have to take your chances. And luckily we did eventually because first half, I thought it might be a little bit same old, same old briefly. We should also say, obviously, game was slightly overshadowed by the injury to Chris Basham. Obviously, everyone's wished their best for him, but it was just an awful, awful moment oh, for the game. Yeah. Um, and, you know, to anyone that was there, you know, to, to have to see that in person, I can't imagine it. So I'm very thankful I wasn't. But when you're watching on the stream, um, you know, you didn't even notice 
that it was anything out of the ordinary until they zoomed in. And obviously it was an absolutely horrendous injury. They, they showed some terrible replays considering what had happened. Yeah. But that was only because it was so innocuous. It wasn't like an impact tackle. But Joe, I mean, we must start there because genuinely, you know, I've gone to football for, for many years now and I can't remember seeing an injury or an incident like that on the pitch that's had such a monumental effect on people watching. Of course, we had some terrible things happen in, in, in stands that we've, at games we've been at, um, you know, a couple of years ago, a few years ago before COVID as yeah. well. And that is like, it was horribly sad and, and very horrendous and, you know, made a huge impact on um, the game and, and the, how the game went. Um, but the injury to Chris Basham was absolutely horrifying. Um, there was just absolute, just distressed looks on faces of, of people around me, um, of genuine like nause- nauseating concern. Um, I, I, I distinctly remember it happening, and the guy in front of me immediately turned and went. His ankles just like, half off. Like it's, it was. Yeah, I, I can't believe. I just could not believe what I was seeing, and, and obviously thoughts are with Chris. Um, at, at this really difficult time. Um, and obviously, you know, Sheffield United, who I saw a couple of weeks ago at West Ham, had an injury with, with Egan. And then, you know, Basham gets this horrifying injury as well. So, you know, you can caveat it by saying, oh, Sheffield United have been incredibly unlucky with injuries this season. And I'm actually, you know, I'm not going to sit here and start going, you know, Sheffield United were, were, were really, really poor because, you know, they, they were, they didn't, we were, they weren't great. But I have to say that they've been incredibly unlucky with, with the way injuries have worked out for them this season um but but I do not remember much of them coming forward and attacking us really apart from the own that's goal. it for me yeah they, they 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 never showed any attacking intent even at 1-1 mm. um or should I say even when we I suppose not doing it at 1-1's fair they probably would have taken the point you're not going to stay up with draws though is what I would say I understand it you know we're above their level at this moment in time which is great um for us but at the same time they need to stay up. They haven't won a game yet and they will have more chances, but they will need to offer a lot more than that. I saw more from Luton is what I mean in the game that they could actually hurt teams when they hit the post in the first half or the angle of the post and bar. Um, mm. But this shouldn't distract from the fact that our performance was very good yeah. and we got the goal that we deserved just after half time with a lovely, lovely team move. Um, you know, the own goal that we concede is very unfortunate, but we sort of get one back with that Tom Kearney Fodderingham uh, strike yeah. and then Willian sealed it but we could have scored more on the day Jack I just thought we looked a lot better as an attacking unit I thought that Vinicius had a good game although he does need to cut out the uh Stop the, elbows. the back of the back of the back it is ridiculous <laughs> we, we, we could have had no you know qualms if he got sent off in the Chelsea game or the other day but it's amazing um, that even after those two games there's no re- retrospective action it's exactly the same yeah. incident isn't it yeah, and I'd be doing my head in if it was a rival player, you know, before we played them. Um, I'm obviously relieved from a Fulham perspective, yeah. but it's not right that he's doing that. Um, I, I thought that it was very interesting um, that uh, Mooney's came off the bench instead of Jimenez. Very- um, I do think there's reasoning to that in terms of, you know, I think Jack Strowley's championed this before in terms of how much Mooney's runs around. He's the perfect person to bring off the bench at the end of the game when you are... Um, trying to 
I, I don't think he's the person to bring back in if you're chasing the game. Then I think Jimenez would have come on. But when you're just sort of trying to see it out... Wearing down um, the opposition. Wearing down the opposition. The press is great. Yeah. Um, and I think he offers that more than Jimenez. Um, I thought that Vinicius had a good game. Mm. I thought they created a lot of good chances, including that first goal, the ball around the side, uh, around over the shoulder, I should say. Um, almost similar to the ball for Solomon against Brighton away last year, reminded yeah. me of how he set Pereira away. Um, but, you know, Jack, it was just a very successful day. And what I was most relieved about is that we scored three goals. Um, my main concern when Sheffield United equalised, it was never about them going on to grab a winner. It was just, can we get another goal? And from what we've seen so far this season, the answer is normally no. Yeah. You know, like we, we, we've been creating the chances more often than not but not scoring. And I was just so relieved that we scored that Kenny slash own goal very quickly after they'd equalised. The concern with the, with the Kenny goal is this is, is like, it's a low XG goal. I mean, you don't expect him to sort of, we've seen it before where Kenny's sort of, you know, cut onto his left and, and, but even when he shot, he, he slipped and the crowd initial reaction was one of yeah. groaning because they just thought, oh, that's going to sail into the hammy end. But it took, I don't know if it took a deflection off the defender. It was a very strange goal in off the bar. Well, in off off the bar, off Wes Fodderingham, who was you know, pretty unlucky off his head yeah. and into the back of the net. We didn't give a damn about Fodderingham in that moment. We were just like, brilliant. Thank God we're ahead because we have been on top. And if we drop two points in this position, it's going to get toxic. It's going to get frustrating. And um, and. I actually thought Fulham's best spell of the game was after we made it 2-1. And it, we, it seemed as if we were on some sort of rampage for a third goal. There was a, a spell of about two or three minutes where we were coming forward and we were putting balls in the box and we were having shots blocked. But every time Sheffield United got out their final third, we were quick on it and won it back and overturned the ball and kept it going. And I thought that was very encouraging. And in fact, that's probably where the third goal really comes from. Again, it's Sheffield United not being able to get out of their final third. And then the ball, I can't even remember now, it just somehow finds its way to Willian um, and he cuts in. And it, I think the power sort of takes it beyond foddering him, even though he gets yeah. a palm to it. Um, of course, that Willian chance in the first half, uh, the Pereira chance right at the end of the 14 added minutes uh, of in the first half, that was a decent opportunity. A, a word on Pereira, because I know we've been slightly criticising him and you were saying he should come out the team for this game and he obviously keeps his place and we could talk about the 11 as well but Pereira specifically assist for Bobby D. Cordova Reed and a much improved performance but my concern is it's so inconsistent right now with Pereira we're seeing one good performance and then one terrible performance and then one good performance again it needs to improve on a more consistent basis but it's a start yeah I still don't think he was anywhere near his best mm. Um, I don't think his overall performance was good enough still, but I do maintain that, you know, the match winning moments are what matter. And he provided the assist for the opening goal with a lovely ball. Um, and ultimately that's what we remember from the match. And it's important that we, that we realize that I, I do think he still needs to improve. Um, I liked the balance of the midfield in a, you know, obviously a game that we have more impetus, but with him and a I just felt we had the extra man, um, in attacking transitions when we've not really seen that recently. Mm. I feel like a lot of our breakaways are broken down just as we get over the halfway line. There isn't really anyone centrally to keep the ball. Once it goes out wide, it's normally a cross into the box where we more often than not have been losing possession. Um, 
I felt that having both of those quite advanced meant that we had someone picking it up just outside the box as well, which was a great help um, to some of our attacks and just sustaining pressure, like you said, winning it back high up the pitch. Mm. I don't think it's a coincidence that we were doing that better when we had two more attacking midfielders, not just Pereira, but when Kearney came on, I thought he was doing that job brilliantly and obviously led to the second goal. Um, I thought that Willian had the game of his season and the best we've seen him since last season, yeah. which was great. Bobby Reid performed very well. Um, I thought that Wilson had a great cameo when he came on as well and obviously hit the post. Very unlucky. Uh, would have been a fantastic goal. So overall, you know, it was a much better day for all our attackers, albeit against a much weaker team than we were playing against Chelsea. We needed a reaction uh, and we saw that reaction. And if we'd have played that exact same way against teams better than Sheffield United, we would still have won, in my opinion. I think that we were well well within our rights to get a comfortable victory. Um, and you're totally right about the you know low XG of the Kearney shot, for example. I guess one thing that makes me less worried about that is the fact that we had quite a few high XG chances that on another day we should That's have scored. And it almost like cancels it out, you know, like we, we kept plugging away. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was a dominant win on XG. This is an advertisement for BetterHelp, a portal for finding online therapy. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run? Would you read more Fulham transfer rumours? Well, whatever it is, one thing that many of us have in common is wishing that we had more time. And therapy can be a place to help you work through what matters to you so you can have more time to do it. Therapy is great for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the very best version of yourself. It's not just for those who experience major trauma. And if that's something you're looking for, that's where BetterHelp can come in. BetterHelp is entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. They'll match you with a UK mental health professional with a wide variety of expertise. There's no referral needed and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, giving you complete control over the whole experience. And Fulhamish listeners can get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash Fulhamish. That's betterhelp.com slash Fulhamish to get 10% off your first month. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is actually a really interesting sort of moment now for, for Fulham's m- midfield um, because, you know, albeit he's just signed a new contract, Harrison Reed. But are we now going to see a situation where Harrison Reed, who's brilliant, high energy, great pressing, obviously can drift wide and make chances happen. I now am thinking he is better off from the bench coming on from the bench. And if we've got Alex Awobi starting, like you say, as that sort of driving player, so you've got sort of Paulinho as a sitter who can, you know, mop up, tackle and, and block off sort of transitions from the opposition. Then you've got someone in Awobi who can drive forward with the ball and sort of make things happen. Then you've got someone, Pereira, who's just behind the striker who has that creative pass or cross or even shot. And then obviously you've got the strikers and the wingers. So with that, with that being said, is there now more balance in this midfield where we've got actually two out of three players who can make something happen 
in the midfield, not taking anything away from Harrison Reed because he still does that, but he is more defensively minded. And obviously, Iwobi can drift wide anyway because he is naturally a winger as well. So is that going to be the better option now going forward for Fulham? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think it depends on the opposition because I think you're completely right that in games like against Sheffield United, when we're going to have more of the ball, when the opposition are going to sit back, having Iwobi and Pereira is a massive, massive help. Mm. Um, or even, you know, someone like Kearney, more advanced, potentially coming off the bench mm. later in the game. Um, when we go away, and we're not going to preview it this week, but next week, we're like, for example, against Spurs, I don't think that's the game to go with Iwobi and Pereira. Right. Um, that's probably one where either Harrison Reed comes in from a more defensive point of view, or I would say Lukic comes in, like we saw at the Emirates, when it was more a case of we need someone that is better on the ball when we have it, because we're not going to have it much. Mm. Someone that can just recycle possession, keep doing the more basic things. Um, I would say that it's almost like Harrison Reed is the defensive hat, Alex Awobi is the attacking hat, and Lukic is somewhere in between. Right. Um, and depending on the opposition, we can go for any of them. And I like that a lot. Um, if we are, and we will preview this again, so that about a million times now, properly next week. Properly. When we're looking at our team, yeah, properly. <laughs> Previewing now, basically. When 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 we're looking at the team that we'd select against Tottenham, I mean, if I was to pick one of uh, Iwobi and Pereira right now, I'd go with Iwobi because I was more impressed with his performance despite Pereira's assist. Okay, and I think Iwobi's been more consistent over the last few weeks. Um, that probably means Pereira's dropped from the team because there isn't a gap for him if Iwobi plays mm. in those sorts of games, in my opinion. Um, but I love now that we do have a squad where I still think personally we're one central midfielder short. And by that, I mean clear defensive minded cover for Polina if he was suspended or if he was injured or God forbid, yeah. we lose him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we need someone in that position. Um, but in the other two, I think we've got so many options for every sort of match that we'll face now. It's encouraging, isn't it? I mean, I mean, Paulinia is Paulinia. And if, if we all got our own way, he'd pay. He'd play thirty get thirty eight games out of thirty eight plus cups. Um, so I am under the impression that, albeit he might rack up yellows and might get an injury, we do need to sort of have a CDM of yeah. that sort to cover him in January. Right now, we're in a position where, apart from that, that midfield has a lot of variation to it, a lot of ways of sort of changing it around depending on the the opposition flexibility was my word there we go um so that's pleasing there are some other issues we sort of do need to still address um an injury yeah. to diop led to their goal that's not by the way diop can't pull up and then hoof the ball out of play because he's obviously <laughs> in immense pain so the fact he just passed it straight to a Sheffield United player I know got groans from the Hammersmith fan and all around Craven Cottage, but that wasn't his fault. He genuinely did the first thing that came to his mind, which was get the ball away from the situation. It just happened to go straight to a Sheffield United defender or whatever, midfielder, right in front of him. And it led to a goal. And I think we've defended pretty poorly in that situation because Diop was sort of out of position and we had to readjust. Um, but going back on his injury, if that is from what Marco said in his in his post-match, which was a crack in the foot, which does not sound good whatsoever. Yeah. Suddenly, we've got Tosin out, who doesn't even seem interested in playing for the club ever again, given what yeah. you know, he posts on, not posts, but what, how he displays his social media. Um, 
we basically got Reem and Bassey. So that is a problem that is going to, for these next upcoming four games, going to really concern me. Um, yeah. And it's all, you know, well and good saying, well, we're on 11 points, nothing really to worry about. There isn't. But having two fit centre-backs, you know, this didn't happen since August 2022, um, when we literally only had two centre-backs. So what do you make of this situation now going forward, centre-back-wise? It's really worrying because, you know, we're one injury or suspension away from having to play someone in a makeshift position, whether that's Polina dropping back like he did in pre-season, whether that's Castagne or another fullback such as Tete playing centre-back. You know, there isn't really a obvious solution. I don't think that someone like Defugerol is, is ready for that step up. I think that's a lot of pressure, Huge. despite how much he's become a cult hero. Yeah. Um, like, what, are you just going to rock him up, at you know, against... Man United, who've obviously been quite poor, but let's face it, have quality. You know, it's it's so tricky. Um, I also don't like the dynamic in terms of having two left-footed centre-backs yeah. because of the way we play. Yeah. It just makes the angles a little bit more tricky. And don't get me wrong, Bassi and Reem are both good on the ball. I don't doubt that. But I've got very bad memories of someone playing on the wrong side of the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium after I was right in front of Mbabu trying to play, bless him, left-back last season. Terrible. And, you know, it's not his position, but it was an absolute disaster class. Yeah. What, what I would say is it's it's a very tricky situation. We need to know more about these injuries. We need to know more about Diop. We need to know more about Tosin as well. Although, as you say, I mean, I've got no hope for Tosin playing anytime soon or potentially he's again. He's not asked anymore. Yeah. Because he didn't get his move yeah. in January. In, uh, in the yeah. summer. In the summer. Yeah. Um, but, you know, until, until then... We're in a tricky position. The rest of the squad's looking good in terms of injuries and depth, like nothing too concerning there. Loads of options in every position, which is great. Um, Jack, before we go, second international break of the season. Feels a bit early for it, but it is. We're eight games in and we're on 11 points. And you're looking at the table. What are your thoughts on the season so far? Are you happy? Are you concerned about what's below? Or are you looking up? Just what's your overall take at this sort of little break? in the season so far. That's an interesting way of phrasing things. Are you sort of fearful of down below? Are you looking up? I'm actually doing neither because I don't really think that we could, we're good enough to push into those areas of top 10, but I don't think we're as we're, we're bad enough to sort of get relegated. So, um, as I will say every week now, we're on the same point as we were at this stage last season, which, you know, if you go off last season, that's fine. And so we're doing fine. Um, and actually, we've got a bit of a safety comfort blanket over the, you know, the bottom four. We're seven points above Luton, who sits 17, 17, seven points above Burnley, who are in 18th. Um, Bournemouth and Sheffield Charge are still without a win. So they have more issues than we do. Um, so I am fairly... Well, I am happy. I mean, you can't really ask for any more given the the fixtures that we've had. What does concern me is the next four fixtures that we do have. Tottenham away, Brighton away, Ipswich in the Cup, which, by the way, is going to be incredibly difficult and will take a strain on our squad. Then we host Manchester United, who I don't know what sort of United team is going to turn up. Will they be good? They they could roll us over 3-0 or we could thrash them or we could beat them 1-0 like anything could happen and then we go to Aston Villa who I think right now I think I said it before are especially at home one of the most dangerous teams in attacking phases um, in the Premier League um, 
And, yeah. Yeah, and, that, and that all leads up to the November international break. So these next four games, do they define the trajectory of the season? Not really. But then also, like, if we pick up zero points in these four games, which is a complete possibility, then we're going to be concerned. Then there is scope to sort yeah. of be concerned. Let's say, like, the, we score... Let's say we pick up zero points and we score three. Like we're just not scoring enough goals. But I can't just sit here and be like, after a three-one win, going, "Oh, I, you know, if we don't score enough goals within these games, because performances, sorry, wins uh, contribute towards confidence, contribute towards the next performances." And I could see us getting points from these games if we if we play our cards right. But to answer your question, I think we'll be all right. And I think once we get to January and we maybe plug a couple of gaps in the squad because we will need to. And if we hold on to Pena for maybe like another until the end of the season, we just say to Bayern, look, please just let let us have him just until May. And then we can, we, I think, I think every Fulham fan, if he stayed to the end of the season and then left in the summer could just about accept that, I think. And then, at least in January, if we sort of go, look, we've definitely let him go to you in the summer. We then have all that time to sort of plan a replacement and not rush. Or- and what we can keep doing is we can keep on saying to buy, look, we'll give him to you next window. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then by the end of his contract, we will just give him up because you'll be too old. Yeah. Happy days. Um, I think Jack, what, what you said is very true is that uh, zero points from our next four is a possibility as it always is. But- yeah. We look at it compared to last season and that's when you get concerned in terms of we took three points from these four fixtures last season and that was obviously the win at Brighton. Mm. We lost the, the other three and that's it's not a disservice to Fulham to say that these are tough games. They're just four very good teams and when I say four good teams, I obviously mean historically Man United rather than right now, but ultimately they have the quality to get results when necessary and we saw that against Brentford at the weekend Um and you would not be surprised, like say, if they just turned it on, similar to how Chelsea did yeah. um, last week. So um, it's four games which could play into our hands slightly in terms of how we play. For example, remember at the Emirates and also the first half against Man City, sometimes the way we play is really suited to sitting back, soaking up pressure and hitting teams on the counter-attack. It can work really, really nicely. We can be very good in the deep or like mid-block. Um, and I'd be very interested to see how we approach these games I, like you, I'm I'm happy with the points tally. Less happy with the performances, but certainly fine with them at this point in time. Mm. Um, And I definitely think that the bottom half of the Premier League this season is so weak that I can't possibly be concerned at this point. You know, the teams near the bottom are going to need to pick up sufficient points to get near to where we currently are. And I think it's going to take them quite a while to do that. And in that time, I think we'll have picked up more. So if you see what I mean, I think there will always be a buffer unless something goes horribly wrong beyond the next four games. I I agree. And I think that if you talk about the bottom half of the table, I think that there's enough in Everton, even in their defeats, where they've, you know, they played us and battered us. They've played Luton and maybe should have got something out of that game. They played Wolves at home and should have got something out of that game. And it finally came to fruition against Bournemouth. And Bournemouth have been horrendous so far this season. I mean, utterly, utterly hopeless, especially in the last few weeks. I remember the first game of the season against West Ham, they were okay and they, you know, they got out with a point. But it could be a case this season where we have 
So, so my point being, I think Everton will have enough to survive this season. And I just think they are playing better than they were at this stage last season or even last season. Um, I think that it just could be a dogfight between Luton, Burnley, Bournemouth and Sheffield United. Burnley could come good and that wouldn't surprise anyone, I don't think. So then who gets dragged into it? We then have to make sure that we're not dragged into it, basically, because it could be anyone. I think there's enough in Nottingham Forest and Wolves and Brentford to be absolutely fine this season. That leaves like us and Palace as the other teams who are down there that I haven't sort of mentioned. And, and Palace look fine. Like Palace look fine, even though they've got some terrible injuries right now. And, and you know, that could sting them. Um, and my other point was the three of our next four opponents, in fact, after Spurs, are all playing midweek before we play them. So that that is some sort of advantage, of course. United play Newcastle in the Carabao Cup. We play Ipswich, of course. Um, Brighton are playing in the Europa League on a Thursday night and Villa are playing in the Conference League on a Thursday night as well. So there's always, I mean, I've seen, we've all seen enough football where you play on a Thursday and you come into it on the side. I saw it on a Sunday, West Ham, Newcastle. Newcastle started very poorly because they, they had such an effort with their amazing win over PSG that, you know, they sort of took a while to get up to speed. And even West Ham had played in the week as well there was dips in their performance, but they actually started very well. But that's that dip allowed Newcastle to come back into the game. So what I'm saying is there's going to be dips in these sort of Brighton and Villa games that I do think there will be chances for us, which is which is good news. Yeah. It sort of depends how Emery and how Deserby sort of uh, prioritise these games. Same with Ten Hag when it comes to the United game. 12.30 at Craven Cottage. I know it's going to be a weird atmosphere because there's going to be what I hear a protest. Um, I, I, I don't want to get into that. Um, I that obviously it could play into their hands, but also, you know, we could have them at a 12.30 kickoff, Joe. There's a lot to play for. There's a lot of points, but right now, you know what? I'm fine with how things are. And I think yeah. I think we as a fan base need to accept that it would be staggering if we finished top 10 and it would be staggering if we went down. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think I think when you look at the table right now, we're in 12th. I think that's about right. Yeah. I look at the teams below us and I don't see any, potentially with the exception of Everton, where I think they've actually performed better than us mm-hmm. in most games. Yeah. Everyone else, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put above us. You know, I mean, I, I think that we would have a chance against pretty much all of them at home. Ironic, considering we lost to Brentford, but at the same time, dubious circumstances yeah if we play them tomorrow at home i'd expect to beat them really um yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent have been off it. um they really have been off it their fan their fan base are not happy right now i would i would advise having a browse of their tweets if you enjoy uh, life it's because it's very fun <laughs> um but yeah happy with where we are and jack they'll probably wrap it up for today and obviously next week we'll be back to preview that monday night in north london yeah that's going to be an interesting one um are you attending the tottenham hotspur stadium I certainly am. I want to have my refillable pint. Yeah. Please, sir. Eight pounds straight 50. from the bottom. Eight pounds fifty, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I have a ticket. That's why I'm only having one. <laughs> <laughs> one there, many beforehand, I'm sure. Um, yes. Yeah, obviously, you know, work um, will finish around five. I'll probably try and make it. I have a ticket um, and I haven't been put down to work it. <laughs> um, so I will try and, you know, I will be there by hook or by macrooks. I will be there. Um, by Matt Crooks with Matt Crooks um, where's he playing Middlesbrough is he still at Middlesbrough was it Luton he certainly is he scored on the weekend he did there we go Middlesbrough are coming good now which is which is good to see um, 
Right. Thank you so much for watching, Joe. Once again, thanks so much for being here. No worries, Jack. Thanks, everyone, for watching and enjoy the international break. Catch you next week. Yeah, just finally, Joe, has the international break come at a good time for Fulham or a bad time for Fulham? I would say good on the basis of Diop being injured now. Yeah. Um, I don't really have much more than that because, you know, I'd have been fine if we were playing Tottenham this coming Monday. Um, don't really have anything to add. Just like we, we need to try and get him back as quick as we can. And even if it means he misses Tottenham, but he's back one game quicker somewhere further down the line, that's good enough. I, I forgot to even, I don't think we on the group chat even mentioned this, but Basuma's out of the game. That is very big, by the way. Yeah. That is that is big. Because without Basuma, that means that Hoybierg or Skip have to come in. And we'll, again, we'll get into this more next yeah. week. But that is a huge, <laughs> huge drop-off. And when we're so confident in our midfield at this point in time, as we mentioned earlier with those options we've got, that's a big advantage to us. Don't get me wrong, extremely tough game. Yeah. And we'll get into that more next week. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Jack and Joe's show. Like I said, we're almost at 6,000 subscribers. So if you enjoyed the show and you want to subscribe for more video and even audio content, please hit subscribe and the podcast will return next week with the Thursday Club with Sammy, Jack and Peter. They will be previewing the game away at Tottenham Hotspur on the Monday Night Football. Uh, have a great week. Thanks for listening and come to Fulham. Fulham.